Well, good morning, Stonebridge. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, whatever you prefer, if you can turn to 1 John 4 with me. I'm really excited about this because um, Justin and the worship team did a great job setting us up for this text. I mean, this is all going to be about Jesus and his love for us. God's great love for us, and we just got done singing all about that. So I hope we can not just sing about it, but then hear about it and get excited and challenged by it. But while you're turning there, um, I just wanted to say a lot of you guys know, and if you don't know, you need to meet Joey Weber, our associate pastor. And we give a lot, each other a lot of grief from up here, um, but it's because we really love each other, and he's doing a fantastic job. Um, we just need to be more out in the community. Um, and not be so focused on inside these four walls. And he's doing a great job helping us do that um, and walking alongside us with that. So uh, if you see him, encourage him, get to know him. If you haven't met him yet, um, he's celebrating Thanksgiving uh, this, this Sunday, um, this weekend. Um, so he's not here this morning, but other weekends, just make it a point to meet him because he he's awesome. So... Um, I want to read our passage for us this morning. It's 1 John 4, 7 to 5, verse 1. might seem kind of weird. Um, the reason we're going to 5, verse 1 is because chapter breaks and verse breaks um, weren't inspired by God. They were just put in there by the translators, and it seems that the thought ends after verse 1. So that might seem kind of weird. But I want you to, to notice that even though it starts by saying, Beloved, let us love one another, that this passage is mostly focused on God's love, not us loving one another. And I thought that was strange because I was getting ready to preach a sermon on loving each other, and that's not what it's about. It's about God's love and letting that love motivate us to love others. So let's check this out. Notice that as we read. First John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one, has, no one has ever seen God. But if we live, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because, he, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There, there is no fear in love, but for perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. 
For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. This passage can be summed up in verses 7 and 8. 7 and 8 is like what I'm just going to call the summary statement of this whole thing. And that's how I'm going to break this apart. So the first part, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Love is from God. And then at the end of verse 8, God is love. Same concept. We have to start here. That's what John is saying. If you're going to even attempt to love anybody else, you have to start with God's love. God's the definition of love. He's the source of love. He's the epitome of love. We must redefine and refocus on what love is and what it should look like before we try to love other people. John wants us to grow in God's love more and more. So I want you to pretend for a second that um, you're in a water fight. Okay, and if you've never been in a water fight, you need to be. Come to VBS this summer. Shameless plug. It'll be fun. But let's pretend on this side, it's like these were set up for this very purpose. They weren't, but um, let's say this team gets pitchers of water. Okay, that's all they get. Water balloons are better. We all know that. But let's just, for the sake of the, the thing here, let's, let's imagine that you have a pitcher of water and it's full. This team has, one, each person has a pitcher full of water. They're ready to go. They're ready to get them. This team, they also each have a pitcher of water. But on top of that, they got a water spigot right here with a hose attached to it. Which team's going to win? Obviously that team. Why? Because they have the source. These, these guys, they're going to get one good hit, maybe. Probably not. They'll probably get on the ground and miss them because that's what happens half the time, more than half the time in my experience. But that's, that's what is going on here. This, in a weird way, okay, just run with me for a second. John's saying... If you're trying to love other people without the source of God's love, without the hose, constantly filling you up, good luck. Good luck loving other people. So we need to not just come to know Jesus, okay? Yes, we need to believe in Jesus decisively and say, yes, I'm following him now. That needs to happen. But we need to continue to come to him and be filled up by his great love for us that never ends, that never runs out. And John's saying, if you stop coming to God for love, you can't love other people well. So how does God show his love to us? He, said, he says here, love is from God. How does he do that? It's not just an ambiguous concept that we sing about. You know, we don't sing how he loves us, oh, how he loves us. That's, that's cool, that's great, that is true. But he actually loves us in really tangible ways. And so I wanna, I wanna show you these ways and John is showing us these ways. And the first way is found in verse nine and 10 and that's through the person and work of Jesus. Verse nine, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
God doesn't just say, I love you by sending his son. He screams it. He screams, I love you, and backs it up by sending his son. So I want to break this down. It says, God sent his son into the world. Okay, there's the first part. He sends his son. That's what Christmas is all about, right? That's what's been over-commercialized about Santa and all this other stuff, right? But it's, that's what it's all about, the incarnation, God sending his son. John Stott, a theologian, says, no greater gift of God is conceivable because no greater gift was possible. No greater gift was possible. We just sang that. There's no greater love. The Savior lifted up. But, but we're not even there yet. We're not talking about him being lifted up. We're just talking about incarnation. God gives his son. So I want to give a little analogy so you can enter into the fatherhood of God, enter into kind of God's heart. And this is going to fall short because any human analogy of God is going to fall short, but I think it helps us get there. So imagine you're a parent, and a lot of you are, but just imagine you're a parent and you let your son go off to basic training in the army. Okay? I see there, there's an example right there. Very good. You let your son go off to basic training, okay? You don't know how they'll do. They'll, you don't know if they'll actually end up making it through basic or going on. But, but that's, a, that's a significant step. To not just like tolerate them going, but giving your blessing and saying go. This is good. That's, that's what God was doing on a much larger scale, sending his son. But he sends his son to do what? To die for sin. So it's not just Jesus humiliating himself by becoming a human, fully God, fully man, taking on flesh. He knew from the start that he was going to die. And his dad knew from the start that he was going to go humiliate himself by taking on flesh and die on a cross. And I know I, I'm starting to lose some of you because you're over-familiar with this, most of you. But don't lose me here. Enter into the fatherhood heart of God, okay? So imagine, let's take it one step further with this parent analogy. Let's imagine for a second that you let your son now go off to war and you know that he's gonna die. That's more what this is like. But on top of that, God sent his son to die for sin of an undeserving person, of undeserving people. Jesus didn't come just to help people who God really liked and who really loved him. No, it's to help people who hated God. God the Father is sending his son that he knew was going to die for sin for people that hated him. Why? Because God is love. Especially to those who are unlovable. Especially to me. Especially to everyone on this planet who is full of sin and messed up and needs a savior So let's go back to our analogy. If you let your son go to war knowing that he's going to die, but you also knew that he was going to take the bullet for a spy, for an enemy spy. That's what God did. 
He knew it was actually his plan that his son would come and die for people that hated him. We need to start to enter into this. Not just today, but every day of our lives. Enter into the fatherhood heart of God, into the sacrificial, agonizingly painful decision that God made to tell the world, I am love and I'm backing it up. Are you starting to get a sense for his love? We have to never lose sight of this. There is no greater love. Everything else that John is going to say in this passage to say that God is love and here's how he shows his love pales in comparison to this, him sending his son. But those other things are important. God shows his love by sending his son to die for those who hate him. But then he also loves by loving people through people. Check out verse 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, often when I'm driving in the car, correction, we got a minivan now. While I'm rocking the minivan, okay. (laughs) And Heather's over here and it's sunny out. Nine times out of 10, her phone comes out and I think she's on her phone and she reflects the sunlight somewhere near my eye to start with just to get in my peripheral and I'm like, what? What's... And then pretty soon right into my eye and we crash and no, we don't, that hasn't happened yet. But <laughs> you can imagine what it'd be like. Um, no, no, but um, Heather does this regularly and it's it's fun thing. I try to get her back and I'm just not very good at it. But... Um, but what these verses are talking about is God tangibly loving us through each other. And that's us just taking God's love and reflecting it out to other people. So it's not us going, I'm going to love that person really well. You can do that. It's not going to be very loving. You're probably going to have some bad motives. But when we go, you know what? God, flow through me as I try to love this person. Then he starts loving in and through us as believers. You have the power to tangibly represent God in the way that you speak and the way that you act. Your words are not just words. Your actions are not just actions. They can be powerful tools of God to say to that person, I love you. Today, you can do that. Maybe before you leave this building, God would have you do that. See, it says here, his love is perfected in us when we love one another. You cannot experience God's love fully without loving other people. That's what, is, that's what John is saying here. So maybe it seems like God doesn't love you. Maybe you're in a spot in life, you're like, you know what? It just doesn't seem like God loves me. It doesn't feel like God loves me. Then I'd like to say that John here and God is saying to us, then get around his people. Are you around his people? Are you in community with other believers? Because that's a way that God shows his love, a very significant way that God shows his love. And so we don't go in there going, oh, I need to be loved, I need to be loved. No, you go in there seeking to love. And in so doing, you will experience the love of God 
You know, you don't learn about the sun by studying Heather's phone, okay? That, that would be weird. Or your own phone, to take it out, find the reflection. Huh, the sun, I can tell by looking at the reflection, you know, the temperature is whatever the temperature of the sun is for you science people who know that. But um, you know, scientists don't learn about the sun by studying a reflection. You can learn some things, but not very much. You need to get your sunglasses out or those special... Uh, eclipse glasses, whatever it takes, you know, to study that sun, um, send up a, a spaceship or whatever they use. Uh, probably not a spaceship, you would die, but um, some, <laughs> something to that degree. I could, I could just keep running on that, but I will refrain. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, you don't, you don't get to know God's love by just focusing on other people. So yes, John is saying we need to start loving each other because God wants to use us. But in the midst of that, don't get so focused on each other's love that you forget about the source, that you don't keep coming back to the source of love, God himself. How else does God show his love? Well, if we look Back up at seven and eight, you know, our summary statement. It says, beloved, let us love one another. Love is from God. And then it says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. There, he just told us two more ways that God loves us. By causing us to be born of God. Born of God, which means he gives us his Holy Spirit. Verses 13 through 16. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. You know, here's what John is saying. If you're born of God, if you believe in Jesus, you are given the Holy Spirit the moment you believe in Jesus and God himself lives inside of you. God was not obligated to give his Holy Spirit to you to live inside of you when you came, became a believer. Yes, he tells us that's what he does, but think about it. He wouldn't have to forgive your sins. You know, in forgiving your sins, going to the cross, like, yeah, he took care of that problem. Gave a relationship with you and God. You and God are, are on good terms, but he went beyond that and said, you know what? You're actually pretty weak, and I know that, and I want to help you. And so he sends what John calls in his gospel the helper. Holy Spirit to empower us, to encourage us, to guide us. That is a gift of love and we just take it for granted. John 16 verse 7 says this, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You know, this is Jesus talking. J.D. Greer says this. He says, Jesus claimed that having the Holy Spirit in them would be better than having them beside him, having him beside them. Um, Here's what J.D. Greer is saying. 
imagine that, I don't, I don't think Ryan Graydon is here this morning, but imagine if Ryan Graydon was with me while I was trying to parent my kids in a really heated situation, which happens often, right? And let's say Ryan Graydon's right there beside me to help me out, give me advice, whatever. That would be helpful. That would. He's, he's a great parent. He's got four girls. Anyone who has four girls um, has, some, has some great parenting experience. Love to have them by my side while I'm trying to learn how to parent. But what would be better? It would be better... If somehow, this couldn't happen, but if somehow Ryan had like, was speaking to me through earbuds, okay, and had like a little cam so he could see what was going on and he could know my own thoughts and emotions that are swirling on inside me to help correct my heart before I go and parent my child. That, I think, starts to get us to understand why it would be better for Jesus to come and send his Holy Spirit to be inside of us than it would be for him to walk alongside of us. Think about it. The disciples walked alongside Jesus and they were pretty messed up. They didn't get it over and over and over and over. And they didn't do a lot of powerful things in Jesus' name. Sure, here and there they did, but they didn't do a lot of powerful things until Jesus was gone and they had the Holy Spirit inside of them. The book of Acts is full of that. You will not love others if you're not transformed by the love that God has for you through the Holy Spirit. You're just not gonna be very good at loving other people until you start tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And maybe I, I'm even this topic of the Holy Spirit is, is kind of like, oh, that's mysterious. I don't really know much about it. Or maybe you do and you just want to learn more. Um, I got this, this book here um, that I just read from. J.D. Greer, Jesus Continued. Highly, highly, highly recommend this book. Um, Troy Nesbitt pointed me to it. and Great, great resource. So God loves us through his Holy Spirit. But let's keep moving. So it says in verse 7, for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Let's talk about knowing God for a second. Or God even allowing us to know him. That's a gift of his love. He gives us his spirit, but he allows us to know him, to have a relationship with him. It's not just an intellectual thing. It's beyond Sunday school you know, the, the good Sunday school song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. No, it's, ac- it's actually like, Jesus loves me, this I know, because Jesus showed me so on the cross. And because he showed me so, I get to walk through life with him. I have a relationship with him. I don't just know that he died for me and know all these facts about God like a computer and just say, that's cool, God is this way. No, I I take that and as I'm walking through life, let it affect everything I do, everything I say. Imagine if we walked through life with that in mind all the time. Wow, that I have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And that should change this moment and can change this moment. Because like we just said, he's also living inside of us by his spirit. 
So today, even today as you're sitting here, you're gaining knowledge, intellectual knowledge of God's love for you. But, you, but hopefully we're doing it so that tomorrow we can abide in God's love. We can enjoy it. We can be changed by the fact that he loves us, challenged by it, and walk through life. It is a gift. It is a gift of God's love that we not just get to know him intellectually, but we do that so we can know him more personally, more intimately. Think about a relationship with a spouse. Imagine if you just came home every day and you just exchanged facts about what happened that day. And some, some days that happens, okay? That's, that's fine. I'm not knocking that, right? But what if you just came home and said, I did this today, I did this, I did this today, I did that. And then you just did your thing, went to bed, did the next day over. Not a great marriage, <laughs> okay? Not really getting to know each other. There's no real relationship going on there. You're just exchanging facts, So what we need to do with God is just tap into that. He's saying, I'm here. I'm abiding in you. Don't just get to know me intellectually on Sunday. Let those things in the Bible that you're hearing about on Sunday, that you're hearing about in his word throughout the week, hearing from other people as you interact with them that know Jesus, let those affect everything that you do, everything that you say, so you can really not just know God, but know God personally and relationally. It's a gift of his love. How else does God love us? Verses 17 through 19. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love Because he first loved us. He loves us by giving us confidence. By giving us confidence. It says here we can confidently face judgment day. And then it says, as he is, so also are we in this world. It says that in verse 17. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that we're like him in character. Sure, we're kind of like him in his character, but not even close. Jesus was perfect as he walked on this earth. So he doesn't mean that primarily. He means that we're like him in his position as the son. So now we are sons and daughters of God. So positionally before God, we are like him. So we can be confident that at the end of our life, or if Jesus comes back before then, we can confidently stand there on the day of judgment day, not afraid because we know All our sin is covered by the blood of Jesus and we're his. He loves us by giving us confidence, but not just confidence for judgment day. He gives us confidence beyond that. He gives us confidence to fearlessly love others. Look at verse 19. We love because he first loved us. There's a reason verse 19 is there and placed where it is. It's because he's saying yes, Go and be fearless as you walk through this Christian life. But mainly, I want you to be fearless so you can love other people. You know, it's not like the no fear bumper stickers, okay? Um, 
Maybe some of you have them or have had them. That's cool. That's fine. I'm not knocking no fear bumper stickers. But that whole concept is like, I'm not going to be afraid because I'm macho and drive a truck or whatever it is, right? No, again, no offense if, if that's you. Um, r- really, really. Um, just keep digging. But, but no, that's, that's just like overconfidence, right? I'm not going to be afraid. You ever try to tell yourself that? What do you do? You become more afraid. That's not what's going on here. Authentic Christians are free from fear because Jesus is inside of them, because of what Jesus did, not because of what I'm doing or will do. So we love because he first loved us. Verse 18 produces fearlessness in general, absolutely, but the main application is to loving other people. So you become so convinced that you are loved by love himself, that fear of what others thinks just falls to the ground. You become so convinced that you are loved by love himself, that fear of what it will cost me just falls to the ground. If you're convinced that you are loved by love himself, Jesus' fear of loving those people that you hate will fall to the ground. When you're convinced that you're loved by love himself, you are now free to love others like you've never loved them before because all of your unhealthy motives fall to the ground. What a gift of love by God undeserved confidence to love other people like you never thought possible. So now let's get to the last part. Our summary statement, remember verse seven and eight, beginning of verse eight, anyone who does not love does not know God. He says essentially the same thing, goes in a little bit more in depth in verse 20 to describe that. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. John Stott says this. He's a theologian. If you guys are into uh, commentaries at all or just want to dig into 1 John more, uh, John Stott is the best. No, no doubt. So you can, you can check that out. But he says this, the perfect love that drives out fear drives out hatred as well. When you know intellectually and let that, and, let, and allow that to change you and allow that to strengthen your knowing relationally of God, there is no room for hating anybody. So do you hate someone? Really, do, do you hate someone? Um, another great theologian, Ryan Graydon, who preached a couple of weeks ago and did a great job, he said in that sermon, if we're not loving, we're totally missing the gospel. See, the gospel is the good news, is that the gospel is good news, right? And good news that is the good news is that God loves us by sending Jesus to earth to die 
for undeserving sinners. The good news is that God loves us by loving us through each other. The good news is that God loves us by indwelling us with the Holy Spirit to give us joy and guidance and empowerment. The good news is that God loves us by pursuing a relationship with us. And the good news is that God loves us by giving us confidence. Now, can you imagine God pouring out his love in that way, in all of those ways, and then being okay with you hating somebody? I can't. Yeah, but they said this. They did that. Yeah? Well, God did this by sending Jesus to the cross. God says, I love you even though you hated me. So the solution to loving those that we hate and to loving people in general is not trying really hard to love them. It's to be more and more and more convinced of his great love for you. And enabling that, empowering you to love other people. Let's imagine for a second you discover the best pizza place in town. What do you do? No one really knows about it. You find the best pizza place in town. You instinctively tell others about it and you bring them to that pizza place or you bring the pizza to their place, right? See, you have the source of love in you if you believe in Jesus. So remind yourself of his great love and you will instinctively start to love others. When you've discovered the greatest love possible, you can't help but share it with other people and it'll drive out fear and it'll drive out hate. Let's pray. God, thank you for your great love for me. I pray for all of us that we would never grow tired of singing of your great love, of praising you for your great love, of enjoying your great love. And most of all, I pray, God, that we would not forget how incredible it was that you sent your son to die knowing that he would die for people like us who were in rebellion against you. Thank you for that amazing act of love, God. Place that at the center of our thoughts this week so that we can love others like never before. In Jesus' name, amen.